Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Ain't Peachy podcast with me, Kimi Kaboli. Today's episode is gonna be so good. It's with my personal friend, Ali McDonald-Bull, and a little bit about her. She is from New Zealand, so that automatically makes her way cooler than most of us, and her accent is so nice to listen to, you will see. She's a Pilates and bar and dance instructor, and she is the toughest instructor I have ever done a class with, but at the same time, she is so upbeat, so you can't help but love her even when she's pushing you way past your physical limits and that's also why she became known as the smiling assassin no joke and so her signature class is called triple threat pilates is internationally known in auckland paris and london and more about ali she was a disney princess so yeah you're about to listen to an episode with a disney princess she's also a talented singer she is a real addict of chocolate and peanut butter and sardines in that order And in this episode, Ali and I are going to cover several topics. First, we're going to go real deep. Ali courageously opens up about her struggles with disordered eating, and her story is so relatable, and we've all had thoughts and fears of losing control. And on a lighter note, we're going to share the benefits and ancient uses of cacao to give you another excuse to add a little more chocolate into your life. And lastly, we're going to get into how to have a balanced diet and how our grandmas actually have it all figured out already. (laughs) And actually, there's one more thing. What a blessing it is when some things just don't work out. And even though we're hurt at the time, it ends up just making room for better things to take their place so it does end on a really positive note and i really think you're gonna like this episode listen up and get ready because you're in for a great episode you've been in this fitness world for a long time and i feel like there's a lot of extremes in this industry a lot of highly disciplined people how do you balance moderation yourself and what kind of struggles have you had with with finding the perfect balance what a question (laughs) to start with (sighs) wow well to be honest today i i'm actually really happy that you're asking me this question today because i have really been on a long journey throughout my time in the fitness wellness industry for the last six six years and also i guess in the years leading up to that as well um where to begin so i think what the wellness industry has developed into i mean it's 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 a fascinating place really it's all about uh finding ways that we can improve improve ourselves improve our lives feel better but I think the other side of that sometimes can be that we we always feel like we could be improving and there's never sort of a um, a place to to stop. It's, it's like, oh, we could be doing this and we could be doing that. And especially with social media, obviously, we are constantly presented with more and more information and visuals and everything for the senses, you know. So we're, we're constantly overloaded with information and we don't always know where it's from and the people who are... Uh, sharing this information with us we don't really know where they got it from whether or not they are I guess qualified to even share this information and I think that it's very very normal to to be a bit a bit confused mm-hmm. and for years I I said to myself that I wasn't confused at all that I definitely knew the difference between the fad dieting for example and what was meant for me and everything but actually now I look back on my own journey I realized that subconsciously I definitely was influenced and I think that for for many years I was on the search for this 
this perfect diet. And back when I started that, it wasn't at that time to, to lose weight or anything, but it was to find this like perfect level of energy. So I could go about, like, I'd just become a Pilates instructor and I was like getting up at 5 a.m. To, to teach my classes. My background is actually in the performing arts. And so I trained as a, as a classical singer and then I was doing musical theater. And so I was used to bringing this crazy amount of energy to the stage and I was trying to bring that energy to my classes and I would be teaching all day and running around and I just, I, I loved it, but I, I, I was constantly researching how to find this extra level of, of energy. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I think I researched maybe a little bit too much or maybe maybe just a little bit too much in the in the wrong places. And so I, I did try myself to to find this, like I was saying before, this sort of perfect diet by, by cutting out for a, a long time sugar. Uh, and then other times it was it was carbohydrates and then it was something else and something else and something else. And I definitely believe that there is a place for refining our diet, but I think it's always important to to consult with someone who who really knows what they're talking about um, before you do something like that for a long period of time, just because it ends up not being sustainable. So I feel like I really went on a journey all, all over the show, going through, I guess you could say, trying out all the sort of fad diets and everything like that. And it really did actually go hand in hand with my, my job almost, because I think that people started to turn to me and be like, oh, what, what do you eat? Or, or mm -hmm. almost more importantly, what don't you eat? It became like everyone had these lists of things that they no longer ate. Don't eat dairy, don't eat gluten, don't eat this. And like I said, I think there are more food intolerances and sensitivities in the world these days just because of the way things are, are manufactured. So I do believe that, you know, allergies and everything are totally legit mm -hmm. and we definitely need to look after ourselves and listen to listen to our bodies mm -hmm. but I think there's also this other group of people who, and, and I put myself in this group before of just wanting to to like improve and so doing these things that I didn't actually need to do but I just felt I needed to do them there definitely was one stage where I was dairy free gluten free sugar free everything free and that must have been hard yeah it was I mean I remember my mom saying to me that it was really great that I no longer lived at home because um because <laughs> when I was doing some side of some of this stuff she was like oh my goodness this would have been so difficult if you if I was cooking dinner for you and and making it so suitable for for your father you know like it was just gonna be very difficult that's kind of um the journey that i i went on for for my kind of first few years if you like when i started working in this industry so i've been living in paris now for almost two and a half years for a whole other bunch of reasons i did end up um losing losing quite a lot of weight at the time i was i was very sort of confused as to as to what my sort of direction was and i am a perfectionist personality type and i want to know what's what the plan is and what's happening next and I just couldn't figure out my next move and I like I said I spent a lot of time by myself and so I had this going on and then I also had what's interesting my coping mechanism with all that became controlling the food and this is something that I've actually been quite vocal about um talking about this the struggle that I had with this disordered eating which then sort of turned into this eating disorder that I that I had because it was like I took I took these sorts of ways of controlling my diet um, as a way to kind of deal with everything else that was happening in my life. And I would become stressed if I couldn't eat uh, like 
my, I don't know, 10 chosen foods that were allowed and mm -hmm. at a certain time of day. I now look back on this whole journey and I'm like, wow, like I'm out the other end and it's very interesting because you can definitely see things that were in obviously yourself and also mm -hmm. you can notice the signs in other people as well and I'm, I'm really, like I said, kind of well, open and, and passionate actually about sharing the story with other people because I think it's something that's that's actually quite quite common. So how order like what was the sign and what made you realize that something had to change? Was there like an aha moment or was it just like kind of one day you realize that you want to just change your lifestyle? With what happened there was I like I said I'd, I'd had this these years as you like of a disordered eating, and then it turned into. <laughs> a full-blown eating disorder um and were you and, aware of it at the time yeah um yes and no it was one of those things where my weight was decreasing when i first sort of experimenting started experimenting with my diet it wasn't to lose weight it was mm -hmm. to find this perfect energy right so i started with that again that mindset of oh i'm i'm now in paris and i'm again working as an instructor and i want to have this perfect energy and um so I was I was really focusing on on my diet. And I had all this time to do it as well. You know, I had I I wasn't really I did have some I made some friends, but most of my meals were by myself. So it was something very easy for me to yeah. like focus my energy on, if you like. And so I did start losing weight, and I think a combination of I don't know being a woman in my late twenties as well as being a fitness instructor, I I will be completely honest and say that. I loved the fact that I was losing weight. Mm -hmm. To me, I was like, this is this is an achievement. And I ended up losing losing my period as well. And so when I told a few people close to me, including my my mum back in New Zealand, obviously people were like, this is not good. Mm -hmm. And I was a little bit in denial, but I also didn't know that I know I was doing something that wasn't healthy. So your body was showing you signs that it needed some more anything like maybe more rest or more nutrients or something yes definitely definitely and so I um you know like people started getting a bit worried being like we can see in photos that you've got really small and obviously the the missing period is is definitely a sign that things are not working that your body is is trying to conserve energy and shutting down the mm -hmm. the non-essential parts of your body which for a woman is a is the reproductive system and um and I went to the doctor and they, they weighed me and they were like, you, you need to put on more weight. Um, that's kind of all they said. And I was like, oh, okay, sure thing. Go away. And then I ended up losing more weight. And again, I saw this as like a little bit of a game. Um, but I, I mean, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? But that's really, that's really what was kind of going on, the, the like internal dialogue that was going on in my head. It wasn't until a few months kind of after that I started to pull myself back together the other part of the the not eating enough was that I was over exercising. So mm -hmm. I I was obviously teaching uh, like bar and Pilates and dance fitness because that was my job. But I was also walking everywhere. I mean, everyone who lives in Paris knows that one of the greatest things about Paris is that you walk around. Walk. And so, you're walking to the Sacre Coeur, so, I remember. In the yes, morning. and I, I had this obsessive thing with, with getting up super early and walking to the Sacre Coeur in the morning do this like five kilometer round trip start to my day mm -hmm. and then I also would do all this other walking and I was just always moving and the thing is I do have a passion for movement I sort of this day love my walking so much but it was definitely like I had to do this and so I remember very vividly being at a, at a party um of a good friend and it was getting it was getting sort of to maybe like 10 30 and this is the time that I would be like I need to leave now because I need to get up tomorrow morning at you know, early to go and do my compulsive walk. <laughs> and 
And I suddenly had this, this I guess, this, if I had, had to have an aha moment, this would have been it, where I suddenly felt so happy to be around this, this lovely group of, of girls that I'd made. I'd been in Paris by this stage for just over a year, and I looked at this, this group of girls that I'd made, and I was like, this is so lovely. And I was like, I don't need to go home and do this walk tomorrow. It was like Saturday night, so, you know, getting up early on a Sunday morning. I, I can just stay here. And I stayed until, like, just after midnight. And then Cinderella had to go home. But but, <laughs> but, but I remember this so vividly. And and that was, like, the the one of the turning points to, to at least the excessive exercise. So by now, you must have mastered the art of eating and eating for energy or eating for nourishment and earlier we were talking about intuitive eating and so i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and what it means to you i don't think i've ever i don't think i will ever quite master the art of, of eating <laughs> yeah, <it's> a <laughs> but um but i i've definitely um i've come on in You've come leaps way. and bounds you know like I, I I'm so much more relaxed with food I'm so glad that I'm now able to I want to say mentally enjoy all those things again so intuitive eating I have a I don't say a problem with intuitive eating but but I guess in my head it's just eating <laughs> you know like it's it's just about like um for example I, I use my grandma as an example. My grandma is, is 90 and she has eaten, I guess what you want to say is close to sort of like the food, the old traditional food pyramid sort of way of eating her whole life. If I speak to my grandma about anything to do with food, her attitude is, is that everything should just be in, in moderation. And like you can have your chocolate after dinner every night if you like, but you also have your fruit and vegetables and you have your cereal in the morning and you can have your peanut butter on your toast and everything. And and I think now when I when I feel myself getting a little bit sort of panicked ever about about the eating again, I just look to that sort of mentality. I mean, I was really lucky, like um, my mum made us beautiful home-cooked meals. I actually zoom back in to um, to how I used to eat more as a child and how I was brought up and those mm. sorts of food principles that I was taught by my, my, my family when I when I feel I get too much in my head about, oh, I shouldn't have this, or it's too much, or blah, blah, blah. Your body is so, so, so smart. And it really knows so much. And often it's our brain, our, you know, our mind that gets that gets in the way of, yeah. of what our body actually wants. And so some days you'll feel like you need to eat, like, for example, more carbohydrates because you've got more of an active day. And other days you won't you won't feel that you need to eat quite so much. Or you may you may realize that you're eating something because you 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 just want to eat it for the pleasure of eating it. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely fine. And I think that when we start depriving ourselves, and I really can speak from experience here, depriving ourselves of, of, of certain foods, that's that's kind of when the problems start to come in. But I really emphasize not creating rules for yourself and just and eating what, what feels good to you. And you were saying earlier about how you would read about something that wasn't good, so maybe you were trying to cut out all sugar or dairy or gluten, and sometimes we do these things, we read about them, so we mm. stop, and yet 
our bodies are craving it. I know a little bit about Chinese medicine and they even say that sugar is very comforting. And so sometimes our bodies will start craving sugar and like very, very sweet things when we're stressed or something traumatic is happening or we just really need some comfort in our lives. And that it actually does, I mean, literally like eating a cookie or a chocolate mousse does make you happy and it, it does, does comfort you. It's like a hug. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like it's important sometimes like to override your logic. Yesterday I had a friend say, Kimio, why do I keep craving salmon? It can't be omega-3 because I have these supplements. And I was like, well, I mean, if your body is craving salmon, I guess it doesn't matter. Like if it's so specific of a craving, you're clearly lacking some kind of maybe just like essential fatty acids or sometimes like, I mean, a lot of women traditionally before their periods crave chocolate, but it's also rich in iron. And we lose a lot of iron when we start menstruating. And things like that. I just think that we need to just listen and sometimes we won't even know logic. Like a lot of people don't know about the specific minerals and vitamins in specific foods. We just start craving them out of nowhere and don't know why. But I think it's not necessary to ask too many questions. No, definitely. I definitely agree. And actually when I was trying to get my, my period to come back, I, I, I tried a few different tactics, if you like, mm -hmm. um, once I was sort of mentally in a place to be able to do that. And again, it was really just listening to what my body wanted at the time. So it actually was interesting what you were saying about like comfort and sugar being comforting is that obviously we have this, this concept of comfort food, which is especially seen in wintertime where we eat a little bit more um, kind of like carbohydrate-based meals because it's cold and during wintertime we need that sort of energy. We often find that we're, we're more hungry during winter because um, our bodies are constantly trying to keep us warm. Um, exactly in the winter and so we had this like comfort food and so denying your body what it's craving during that time for example it's only sort of going to i don't want to come back to bite you later but you know what i mean like it's, it's one of those things where again if you if you if you don't listen to your body you deprive it of something i i do really feel like later on you may end up then wanting to binge on a type type of food and this is what i used to do a lot with with chocolate um i used to really binge on it and with peanut butter as well where i wouldn't allow myself to have certain other things so i would just binge on these on these foods mm -hmm. so so yes and now i and with the sugar thing the sugar thing took me such a long time to actually get over because i felt for ages that i had no control of the sugar thing yes if you eat too much of anything it's going to be a problem but you can also say yeah the same kind of in, in, in reverse and I think what's what's the problem is often with like these documentaries is that they are showing an extreme perspective Definitely. where you've got people who already have underlying health conditions or they're like the extreme of something this like triggers them they've had like a, a long-term like heart problem or high cholesterol which has been a result of many many things not just the sugar and then they're like take away the sugar and look now now it's like this and I think that We've shown a lot of these, sugar is just one example, but I think there are a lot of things like that. And people often forget that stuff like documentaries often also are funded by a certain company. There's, unfortunately, there's sort of these uh, kind of dark sides to <laughs> to uh, to some of these wellness um, documentaries or articles, I, I guess you could say. Yeah, and they'll share like how, oh, the American Heart Association said that you should only have this much um, sugar, otherwise it's bad for you or whatever. And then that will be funded by like corn syrup industries having like fake corn syrup servers or whatever. And then, you know, I just feel like there's so much information behind the scenes that we don't know, but like a documentary could share that, but then they won't share that they're being funded. I think what the health, like 
that was a vegan yes. doctor. And that one, like, everybody was talking about for a while. And so I decided to watch it. And I just thought it was so biasing. Actually, fish is bad for you. And actually, eggs are super bad for you, for everybody. And I just think that's not true. I mean, personally, I can't have lactose. And cow milk is really horrible for me. But my grandma, who is, like, 85, she's been drinking a glass of milk every day. And she just, for the first time, had to go on supplements for calcium at like almost 90 years old and it's been thanks to all the yogurt and milk she's been drinking it's working for her obviously I mean she's in amazing health so we can't go and generalize things up being really bad because I'm sure eggs are not ideal for certain body types but not for everyone I mean some people really need all the vitamins in eggs I and mean, eggs are one of the um, the most nutrient-dense foods on earth so I think there. I mean, yes, completely right, and it's interesting you said that about your grandma because my I sort of interviewed my grandma last time I saw her in New Zealand, and I said to her, "What, what do you, what do you put down to having such good health at this, at this age?" And she, and she said to me, she's drunk a lot of milk her whole her whole life, and and eaten fish, and a bit of chocolate, <laughs> and also water. Oh my God, sounds like you. <laughs> yeah, so I just become her now. Um, this is this is what I'm going to be like when I'm 90. I'm going to be dancing up and down doing dance fitness eating sardines and drinking glasses oh, for of those of you who milk. don't know what she's talking about ali literally shares videos of her dancing all around the streets of paris or anywhere she travels to <laughs> and i just love that because she not only does she not care about the people passing by staring at her but it's just like every time i see it it makes me want to have a dance party <laughs> i think something you also were touching on before about the the vegan documentaries is, is we've got this this other aspect of the wellness industry these days as well which is the more ethical side um, you know, sustainable ways of eating and packaging and, and and living. And I think that's almost added this extra dimension of making things tricky for people because now we're trying to eat in a way that isn't just like nutrition-based, but it's also is this sustainable for the future? And and I think it's, it's just a, it's a lot. It's a lot of, of information just to do something which is so essential to us living. Yeah. So I think, again, like we were saying with documentaries, it's important when, you know, someone says something so sort of broad, like, oh, well, fish and eggs are bad for you. Well, I think that it would be, it would just be wise to whenever you give an information like that, to take it to someone who you trust, who is a health professional, to discuss. Because I think that it's really important for us to discuss these things and to sort out what sort of the fake news, if you like, and what may contain some... Um, some some truth to it and I think it's just important to sort of separate it out and also see how that may apply to you like you were saying like not everyone can eat all types of foods and we come from different parts of the world we have different genetics and some people for example have no problem going vegetarian and vegan mm -hmm. and other people really have a problem with it because the alternative sources of protein for example mm -hmm. like replacing meats with beans don't work for everyone that's just yeah just an example, you know, and then you can flip it around the other way. So it's it's all about working out what is best for yourself. But in doing that, it's about trying to find information that I guess you can trust and, and then also know if it's information that you can trust as well as then listening to your, your own body. From seeing my own, my own um, doctor um, back in New Zealand who has seen me for many years, um, whenever we've talked about nutrition, he has always given me the basis like the basic stuff that they are told as doctors, mm -hmm. for example, the Mediterranean diet, you know, mm -hmm. like these things that have been backed by the science that they followed for, for many, many years. And then, but then from there, he's always referred me to see a dietitian or a nutritionist after that. And um, 
I mean, New Zealand is very much into holistic medicine as well. And I was just about to ask. Yeah, so so actually for him, he my my GP. Um, I mean, his background, like I said, is very you know medical school, traditional, scientific based everything. But he tries to have a more holistic approach. And when it comes to referrals, he's very happy for people, for example, to see naturopath. I almost find that from my own journey, seeing a lot of different medical professionals, you can take a little bit of gold from each of them you know like I can take a little bit from my doctor I can take a little bit from naturopath I can take a little bit from blah 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 and then really I think again it comes down to finding out what works for you. So you are also speaking of food like foods that work for you you are a very 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 big fan of chocolate as we have mentioned <laughs> a few times already in this yes. episode alone and so I was wondering if we could just touch on the benefits of chocolate or cacao and also maybe you could share how to get chocolate into your diet more and in like a healthy way not just like a kinder bueno candy kind of way. Well I do remember when I first started as an instructor in New Zealand as a Pilates instructor and people saw that I was eating chocolate or I talked about <laughs> chocolate. I remember someone saying to me, oh, it's so it's it's so crazy how you're like, you're like an exercise instructor and you also eat chocolate. And I I always found this, this um, to this day, I'm sort of... There's a how, weird negative connotation. People associate it with candy, but the actual chocolate itself, like the cacao is like quite healthy. But, but even so, even if it was me eating, I don't know, a dairy milk chocolate bar, I don't, I don't see how because I'm a Pilates instructor that meant that I shouldn't be eating that anyway. But no, you're, you're right. The, the chocolate that I tend to eat is definitely the dark chocolate. You and go intense. You get the 90%. Oh, I go all the way up. I go to 100% sometimes. Um, <laughs> That's so crazy. I, I, I do. I go all the whole way. You're you know? wild. Um, <laughs> so wild. This is the wildest I get is with the chocolate intensity. <laughs> I guess when I when I did my whole like no sugar thing, it didn't mean no chocolate. So this is actually when I really experimented with the sort of upper range of the cacao uh, uh, intensities at the ninety to one hundred percent. And I and I still do eat a lot of that, but I also now do eat a little bit lower. Wow, We're talking now like 70, 80, like on wild going back down, you know. But but like for example, chocolate has a different place. Um, the intensity has a different place depending on what I'm doing. So for example, before I teach a class, a good 70% bit of chocolate is great because it's got this, for me, it's got this sort of perfect balance between um, having a little bit of sugar to fuel my to fuel my workout, but also ha has that lovely richness that I like and a little bit of good fat. So it's not just like having sort of like an energy shock that kind of dies straight away. You know, it's like up and down. It's like we're going up for a little yeah. while, you know. Because <laughs> chocolate is full of antioxidants, polyphenols that are found in like red wine. I mean, there's prebiotics, so it's good for your digestion. Like there's iron in it. I mean, it helps. I think there's caffeine in it as well, right? Because I can't sleep at night when I there, eat chocolate. There is, there is some caffeine in chocolate. Obviously, it's definitely not the same as what is found in, in coffee. But yes, I mean, cacao in its purest form, which actually we don't really eat cacao in its in its purest form. It tastes nothing like form. the chocolate we know. No, it doesn't. But um, but I I have actually ordered cacao from Guatemala. It does not surprise me. Um, <laughs> just like I was, I was really curious about about it. You know, like eating it in its purest form, it's like the butter. Well, it's it's, it's even before oh, it beans. becomes a butter. Well, no, no. So basically, the beans get made into the chocolate but then what happens is often when you make a chocolate bar you separate the powder and the butter and then you add it back together with other ingredients to make it what we know as today and you also uh, roast it mm. so cacao in its in its natural form um i mean it does get it does have to get heated a bit from obviously being a bean to to, <laughs> what, to be able to eat something um but it doesn't get roasted to that set point that's that's what we i guess if you want to say turns cacao into sort of like 
commercial chocolate that we used we're used to eating i love chocolate i'm fascinated by by its history as well and so i know that it came from the mayan culture and how they used to consume it and how hot chocolate used to be this unsweetened very bitter drink that as you were saying before cacao in its natural state contains actually the most antioxidants in any food source so way more than like blueberries for example which i think is quite a commonly it's known, known for its antioxidants, for antioxidants yeah. that's right and so it was used as, a, as like a drink for anti-inflammatory purposes and everything and then it wasn't until the europeans came over and they were like oh okay and they took it back um to spain i think it was the spaniards originally and then they decided to turn it into the sort of luxury drink where you mm. added sugar and milk and cream and everything and turned okay. it into this again this wonderful drink but very different from why it was, it was originally created yeah. and there used to be cacao ceremonies it was like a sacred yeah. um food that came from from the gods really 99 of the population i think love <laughs> chocolate let's use it in a way where we can feel really connected with ourselves yeah yeah except my friend maddie allen from high school shout out if you're listening she was allergic to chocolate and i never got over that just thought that was so tragic i also do know uh, someone in my life who um yeah who's allergic and i just feel very sorry for that person <laughs> i mean i also suffer from migraines and there was a time where where the doctor was saying well maybe it's sort of chocolate oh. it just cannot be the chocolate it just cannot be the chocolate i'm sorry <laughs> it could be anything but <laughs> not the chocolate <laughs> So I have one last question and it's not necessarily uh, related anymore, but it's something that I wrote down when you were talking about your eating disorder and I was wondering, do you think it could ever be 100% cured? <sighs> I don't have the answer to, the, to this question because I, I'm still very much on a journey and I see myself being on a journey as we all are with, with eating and looking after ourselves, our bodies, what we eat for the rest of our lives and also it, it will change what our nutritional needs are and everything like that and also uh the way we see our body our body's going to change and and all of that sort of stuff it's, it's very like multi multi-dimensional you know i think everyone is different and if you look at anything that people use as like a coping mechanism in their lives alcohol drugs chocolate i don't know anything like that there is part of that which does sort of stay with you because it's it's sort of become in a way part of your personality mm -hmm. and I I like I said before I am perfectionist personality type a and um, again from from the research that I that I've done and from talking to to medical professionals you know I, I very much fit the it sounds terrible saying this but I, I sort of fit the the stereotypical kind of profile of someone who could develop an, an eating an eating disorder mm -hmm. and I I am I am willing to carry on challenging myself and um, progressing with it. And like I said, I'm so happy that I now find so much joy in cooking again and having different foods. And that for me is so wonderful. And I'm actually really happy at this place that I'm at. I'm at. But like anybody, I, I know you also have those days where, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror or you put your hand on your stomach or you, you have these moments and you're like, you know, all of these negative thoughts come up and, I think that that's also just being human. Like you don't need to obviously have had an eating disorder to to have those thoughts. You know, like they say to people who, sorry, bringing it back to, um, like I said before about people who use alcohol drugs, you know, they, they say to people who've had an addiction that they should never have those things again. Um, people go to rehab for alcohol addiction and they say you shouldn't have alcohol again because you'll be tempted because actually even though you're not having it, that part of your personality is still... I don't know what you can say, active, if you like. 
Um, or even with cigarettes, people, they say, don't yes, drink. Yes, if, like, drinking triggers you smoking and chain smoking, then you should avoid alcohol. It, yeah, I mean, it's all to do with, with behavior, really. And like like I said, it's I definitely still have some thoughts. I, I've been completely honest. I definitely still have have thoughts sometimes which aren't which aren't happy thoughts or like necessarily like really positive thoughts but I I don't let that affect my behavior you may have those thoughts but I now know that they will they will pass mm. you know and uh it's kind of like when you're, when you're in a bad mood and, and you go to bed and normally the next day when you get up you know the sun comes up again and you're like oh no actually I am fine you know I've had a good sleep or you know things just look different in the morning and I think you can sort of um use that <laughs> that way of thinking with a lot with a lot of things and I know that some days when I when I do have these moments of being upset with my 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 body say or, or whatever I know that um a this is a temporary feeling that will pass mm -hmm. and also that normally it is telling me that something else is going on and the reason why I'm focusing on on my body is because there's actually something else that's that's sort of going on behind the scenes so I always then try to focus on what that is and maybe what I could do to solve that problem. And I also think it's detrimental to have so many labels, I think in Western society, that kind of work to our detriment. So by that I mean like in ancient Greek, um, if you're angry, uh, the way you would have said that is anger is visiting me. And so it's not that you are angry, it's just that you are feeling anger because it's there with you at the moment and it will go. Like the way that it's worded literally implies that it will go. Or like if you're sad, the sadness is visiting me. And so um, just to say that, oh, I am sick or I am insecure. We all have insecure moments or we all have uh, low times, but it's almost just like we have to let go of the control and think um, as Buddhists do when you're meditating is that you are like a leaf going down a river and a leaf can't hold on to things and try and cling on to where they are. They just have to go with the flow and, and life happens uh, for us, not to us, I think. And it's um, it's way more helpful to think that and not to just label ourselves, well, well, I'm like this, or I'm an anxious personality type. I constantly hear people who are limiting themselves. Oh, oh, oh totally. I think that as humans, we desire a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And labels give us that, you know, um, even me just before saying I'm, I'm a type of A personality, I identify with parts of that sort of group, if you like. I see myself in, in, that, in that personality type. And there are a lot of benefits to that. But I think that, um, again, it's like anything. If you just, if you take it to the extreme and like you're saying like, oh, I, I am this, therefore I am only this and I cannot be any of these things and this is me for the rest of my life. Whereas like you're saying, life is evolving and I really like what you were saying before because I've also read um, a few things in my own sort of meditation research, I love research, <laughs> um, about um, and the, the, the Buddhist teachings as well about how everything is is temporary, the good and, and the bad and so even though sometimes it's sad when we, we think oh the good times aren't going to last but it also has that flip side of meaning the bad times won't last either, the challenging times and so now where I'm in like a what I call a funk, if you like, where I'm like, oh gosh, like I'm in this mood, I feel just so blah. I'm like, you know what? It's not gonna last forever. It might not get better in an hour, it might not even get better in two days, but it will get better. Sure. And I think that actually the more you kind of, you know, experience in a way that the challenging the lower times, the more, um, I guess you could say resilient you get, like the, the you, you pick up, um, those 
those skills that help you bounce back faster. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, every time I've kind of gone down, I, I know how to get back up again. And like mm -hmm. I said, it doesn't mean it's a it's a instant remedy, but I, I have confidence now that when I feel a bit low, I'm like, it's okay, it will pass. I just have to get through it. I just have to get through this time. And I think you really can address that to to everything that we we really go through in life, including like the coronavirus, you know, mm -hmm. this is a time that's that's very challenging mm -hmm. for everybody, but it won't last forever, and and that's the thing that this too shall pass. Yeah, ex exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's what I kind of use now in a way for for the way I, I address things in life. I think when I was younger, it was like if something bad happened, it was like oh my goodness, life's over now because mm -hmm. this is the thing I wanted, and especially and it, when we're younger. Oh goodness! And again, it's about that control, and when you don't feel you have control. You just you, you therefore feel out of control, and mm -hmm. all sorts of funny things happen when you feel out of control. Mm -hmm. I now like to say, you know what? Something better is going to come along because the times where if I look at my life where I really felt like, oh, this didn't happen, and this was what I really wanted. Mm -hmm. Later on, and it's always funny how this happens. Obviously, later on, you look back and realize actually it was a blessing that that thing didn't happen, or it turned out differently. Especially when you don't settle and you you just keep striving for what you want and not just settling for, you know, just the, the easiest thing, the lowest apple on the tree, uh, just so that you have something. Because sometimes you have to have faith and accept that maybe you don't know the future, but you have to have faith that things will change and things will get better and that something better will come along. And if you don't believe that, then look back in your life and think exactly what you're saying about all the times that you were scared that maybe you won't get into that school you wanted or you won't be with that person that you wanted to be with. Like, how will you ever find better? And you end up finding better each time, especially when you wait and you you hold on to like what you know you deserve and and good things come along. Yes. I mean, we've just gone very deep from talking about chocolate <laughs> to this, but I mean... Chocolate is deep. So, Ali, where could people find you if they want to connect with you on social media? Well, I have my main personal account, which is Ali McDonald Bull, all is one word. I'll um, include that in the show notes. Sure. <laughs> yes. How do you spell that? Um, and then I also have my triple threat Pilates account as well. So I think Instagram probably is the best place to find me. I also do have a YouTube channel, which if you are interested in doing some Pilates or a little bit of dance cardio at home, Ali McDonald Bull is my YouTube channel as well. And soon you'll have retreats. Well, I hope so. I really hope so. So just before um, the pandemic hit, I was planning a retreat in Tuscany. It's going to be over the summertime where we're going to do sort of triple fit Pilates style, dance fitnessy Pilates stuff, as well as enjoying being in such a gorgeous place and eating delicious, yummy food. It was going to be on an organic farm. It's making me so sad. No, it's and no, don't be sad because it's going to happen in the future. It's happening in the future. And so I do hope once um, travel does become a thing again that I can host some um, retreats like that in the summer as well as and I'm really passionate about um, the the Alps and I also really hope to be hosting some winter retreats in the Alps sometimes but we also can have a class followed by a, a hot chocolate. Yeah Ali is one of the most disciplined people, the, one of the best instructors on earth, I'm serious and <laughs> she's also a very interesting person to follow on social media like I said she's always doing random things you never know what to expect if she's literally <laughs> dancing in the rain or <laughs> she's a very entertaining person to follow and so I definitely recommend that and plus uh, she was in musical theater so sometimes she will break out in song and dance. <laughs> That's right <laughs> life is a musical indeed on and off the stage <laughs> everything she does is around a high 
energy way of life. So she is definitely worth following and is a very inspiring person to, to be around and to spend time with and just to know. So I definitely recommend connecting with her. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. It's, I'm only saying it for the podcast. I totally don't mean it. <laughs> no, she's actually the worst. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much. And, um, well, that was constructions. <laughs> Thanks. And, um, good talking. Just, yeah, good talking. Good talking. <laughs> Hang on, before you go, I just wanted to say thank you. I really appreciate that you listened to this episode and I wanted to mention a few ways you could support me if you feel kind. The first is by subscribing. It's a click and then bam, you're done. And it also helps you follow along with new episodes. The second is by leaving me a review if you can. I don't think you could do it on Spotify, but if you're on Apple Podcasts, for example, uh, that would be really cool. And the last one would be to just share this with a friend because what's better than word of mouth and if you recommend something to a friend they're way more likely to listen to it than i don't know seeing it online just randomly so yeah and then the last thing i wanted to mention is that if you have any recommendations or suggestions or things that you want to hear on this podcast just let me know i'm very open to recommendations and i really am here to provide value so yeah hope to see you in the next episodes to come thanks again for listening Yoo-hoo!